Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are talking about hybrid training. Mm. This is a question that uh, is quite common, you know, and with good reason, because it is hard to know how to be able to combine different styles of training. Um, And we did get a question through the DMs as well, um, asking so many coaches say how people should use machines for better hypertrophy or muscle building. How do you deal with the constant stigma around training? And this was in regards to uh, hybrid training specifically, which is what we're going to talk about today, where you can definitely include some of those bigger lifts and definitely not just use machines. Um, But we thought it was a good opportunity to be able to talk about some of the different styles of training, how to combine them, and then our personal experience around that. Yes. And we get this question a lot, but I do notice it pops up a little bit more around summertime, the warmer weather, you know, people want to get out and about, people want to start playing sport again, not be sort of trapped within the gym walls all the time. They want to really maximize the nice weather. So we have noticed this question popping up so much around Pretty much, yeah. Is it okay to mix training styles? And we'll talk about when it's appropriate and when it's not. But there are so many different combinations of training adaptations. And, Mm. you know, we've made a list here, but the list really goes on. We've got strength, power, hypertrophy, endurance, stamina and conditioning flexibility, balance, coordination, you know, and they're just some of the adaptations we've written, but the list could go forever and that'll be the whole podcast. But Mm. we really want to clarify that, yes, you can mix and match and there are common crossovers, but then sometimes you just need to stick to one goal, finish that before moving on. Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, like our body can adapt to many different types of adaptations and Danny just lifted, listed off some of the main ones that all of us train for. But the reality is when you're new to lifting, like you can do anything. You can throw a sandbag at the wall and probably build um, strength, power, endurance and strength. Like it's the reality. You can adapt in a lot of different ways. As you become more advanced, it is a little bit trickier um, to be able to combine training styles. But that's when understanding like how to actually program um, for different types of strength training styles, what ones go to be, uh, better together and what ones work um, together better than others and how to be able to work around it because you can definitely do it, but it's just not as easy as more of an intermediate to advanced lifter as what you're going to find in the beginning. Yeah, and it really depends how good you want to get at the goal mm. because if you want to be a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, then train everything and that's so fine. Um, but if you want to be elite at one specific, for example, if you want to be an elite powerlifter, you're not going to go and train yoga all the time or, or the complete opposite. So it really depends on your goal, uh, the type of training you enjoy, and what's realistic for you to hit that goal there. So I think uh, people just sort of want it all, which is fine, mm. but then they get upset when they're not the best at it all. So yeah. you can have it all, but you're not going to be super elite um, yeah. at, at that skill. 
Yeah, I'm always on the fence that you have to be specific with your training, like as you would be too, Danny. Like we have to be intentional. We have to have an outcome, goal orientated, etc. We're not just going to do stuff for the sake of it. Um, but then I know there's a lot of people out there that just want to exercise and they just want to do some group fitness and they just want to move their body, and that's amazing as well. So as you mentioned, Danny, it is. It does come down to like how intentional are you trying to be with your training? What are you working towards um, as well? Because it can be a strict goal. Of like, I just want to put on as much muscle mass as possible. That's okay. That's a great goal. Um, there's many ways to be able to achieve that, but it still has to be specific to hypertrophy. Like that's the adaptation that you're trying to achieve. You're not going to go out and start stretching every day and like, you know, doing all this other stuff because that's more flexibility, right? Um, it's funny on the weekend, I was chatting to a, a yoga teacher and she was like trying to get me to do some stretches and flexibility stuff. And I was like, I am not built for this, right? And it's just because our body adapts, right? Our body adapts to the type of training that we do. Um, but by me going out and being like, yeah, right, I'm going to start including yoga every day and stretching, like it doesn't really align with my goals, right, at the moment. And if anything, trying to do all this stuff at once it's not going to be helpful because we only have a certain amount of hours in the day. And it really frustrates me when you hear people and they're like, you can do it all. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but normal people work right? Like normal people have a life. Like I know you might get paid to train and look good, but that's not the reality. Don't you think yeah, it's like, yeah, you can 100%. do your cardio in the morning and go back in the afternoon for training and then get your steps at night. But most people can't actually commit to that. Like, and that's, you don't have to either. Or they wouldn't want to, you know, some people might have other hobbies that they do, or they might just want to sit and watch TV. So yeah, it's really misleading, but again, it's really up to us as consumers of social media, what we're looking at, who we're following, like, is this person paid to train? Or, you know, we got to take some of that ownership too. And I I always say that, but the question did come from someone who looked at us and it was specific around sort of power building, what they call, i.e. you do your main powerlifting lifts, um, bench press, deadlifts and squats, but then also a mixture of hypertrophy training. You know, people have seen us doing that. They've grouped us with other um, athletes who do the same and said, well, how do you do it? Like, is it worth doing and all of that? And my first answer to you, Sherelle, was um, – Personally, for me, if I was truly training for powerlifting, I would be deadlifting, squatting and benching a lot heavier than what I'm doing. And it's all relative, you know. People see us lifting 100 kilos and they go, fuck, that's strong. And look, it is. But if I'm deadlifting 100 kilos and because I have a bit of a mixed approach to training with some bodybuilding moves in there, uh, my nutrition's not really tailored towards building and being super strong, then I should really be deadlifting 150 kilos, you know, but mm. I've just chosen that to be my happy medium. So from the outside, people think, oh, wow, they're doing powerlifting, they're doing this, but again, it's all relative and I know that I'm not at my peak for either as well. Yeah. So I just don't want people to be confused. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we probably have a similar, I'd say like, you know, way of training as well. Mm. Like I would probably say most people would probably look at the way we train and say, 
power building as well. Um, but, you know, I think there's definitely crossover when it comes to certain adaptations and power building is one of them where strength can complement hypertrophy and hypertrophy can complement strength. Um, even strength athletes, like they're going to have hypertrophy blocks throughout the year to be able to enhance their strength um, capabilities as they get stronger because obviously the more muscle mass that you have, the more contractile tissue, the more strength and power you can, you can produce. So everything does have this nice bleed on effect. Mm. There's going to be ones that probably aren't super complementary, like endurance training, for example, and I don't know, hypertrophy. I would say they're probably yeah. not super complementary. I know there's hybrid athletes out there that would probably be like, you can do both. And it's like <laughs> the American <laughs> accent. <laughs> Sorry. David um, Goggins. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, yeah. Just had to put that in there. Um, but, you know, I think with power building, it's probably one of the more easier ones. Like I would say they're not on the opposite end of the spectrum. So you're not trying to, you're not confusing the body too much, right? Like the body needs to know what it's going to adapt to. Um, and that power building approach that you were speaking to there, like it's one of the easier ones. What I will say though, is like, even when I was competing, like I would change, I probably changed my training more. Um, and I wouldn't have that um, that true power building approach, like there's true power building, then you sort of like, it's a spectrum. It's not one or the other, it's a spectrum. So it's always going to depend, as we said, like on your goal. Yes, you absolutely can combine them. And I sort of think everyone for general fitness goals should have some element of strength, some element of hypertrophy, some element of aerobic um, activity as well. Like we should all be developing all of these things because unless you're a power lifter, like maybe you don't want to develop the other stuff, but arguably you probably should, right? Like I think we should all go through cycles and phases to be able to develop everything together. And then arguably they're going to bleed into each other as well. Yeah. And you've highlighted so many awesome points there. As a power lifter, you do need hypertrophy training in order to adhere to any imbalances that you might have, or you need stability training um, because you're, you are under heavy weight as well. So you can't lose balance. If you lose balance with hundreds of kilos on your back, like that can be quite dangerous um you mentioned when when we're competing you know we changed our training around that so you were a runner you played a bit of tennis I played tennis as well we gave that up when we started competing because if we're trying to grow muscle but then running for hours on end counterintuitive counterintuitive you know it or counterproductive there so there are some definite obvious ones um but then also some that that do marry in there but Mm. like I had a client come to me last year or this year, sorry, I don't know when I am, (laughs) but this (laughs) year and she was training specifically for um, a bodybuilding show and Mm -hmm. was doing all, and this is a one-off case in my life, but I think it's quite relevant because a lot of people do think if you're a bodybuilder, you just need to do machines, you know, we don't need to do squats deadlifts and all of that. And I'm not talking about just with the barbell, but completely eradicated all those movement patterns just because, you know, machines are are fixed and you can push harder, you can go to failure more safely and, Mm -hmm. you know, and in a textbook, okay, you might grow more muscle or you might be able to pinpoint. However, this person actually lost all fundamental movement patterns. So Mm -hmm. there was no squatting, as I said, no hip hinging, you know, of course there were hip thrusts, but the other two really made a difference into her hips and her lower back and her knees and she actually developed knee pain by cutting out all the fundamentals and going way too hard on machines. So I didn't 
ask her to hit PBs with the barbell. But we gradually introduced those movements again Mm. and then the pain went away. The closer we went to the show, the higher reps, lighter weight on those compound lifts because, as you know, you don't want to tax your CNS when you're trying to fit in all of your other exercises for hypertrophy. So we just mixed around the order. But the only way to to prevent her pain and, and to cure it was by adding in the fundamental movement pattern. Mm. So people think that just by pen and paper or the latest research, you know, yes, it, it said that machines are better for quad development or whatever you might read, but you have to remember we're fundamental living, moving human beings. So we we still do need those movements, but the art is just in your programming, right? Yeah, so I think it's really important to highlight that you still do need those fundamental movement patterns. Yeah. You know where I think people go wrong as well is like when they look at programming, they think just muscular system. Like they just think just muscles. <laughs> um, I shouldn't laugh, but I'm like, what about, like you said, biology. What about the rest of the body, the bio bit? Um, what about your cardiovascular system? What about your tendons and your ligaments and all those other pieces that make the muscles do their job? Um, what about your nervous system? As you were just referring to there, there's so many other structures and components of the human body that allows you to actually grow muscle, right? They even show that with like, you know, nervous system and, and range of motion and mobility and all those things, right? Super important. It's not just about oh, well, tension, mechanical tension. And people think that mechanical tension is weight on the bar. It's definitely not, right? So it's about having a deeper understanding of like what actually causes muscle growth, um, what indirectly causes muscle growth, right, as well, not just what directly does because there's so many other ways. And even when like I plan out my own training, I zoom out and I look at a macro calendar year and I go, okay, I'll have a strength phase here. And then I bleed into power building because I just love that crossover when you go from strength to um, power building and you can sort of cross that in. And then I'll go strict bodybuilding. And then I always spend um, usually a period of the summer in a conditioning phase. And then I sort of repeat bodybuilding again and then back. And that's sort of my macro calendar year based off my goals. Um, Now, everyone else is going to have different goals, but that trains all those, except for flexibility and balance, but arguably you do that in weightlifting to some degree as well. Um, But that trains all those um, like muscle fibers and adaptations that we just spoke about earlier. So you don't have to do it all at once. Um, And that's a key thing. Like I always say to a, a lot of clients when I'm trying to set goals, like let's keep the main thing, the main thing. Like for sure, if you want to do that, that's fine. But Everything that you want to do, it has to complement the main thing. Like if you want to do some running, that's so fine, but we have to put it in a way that has to complement it. If you want to play netball, like awesome, let's support that, but it has to complement the main thing. Is that the main thing? That's okay. Then this Mm. has to shift, right? Mm. And it's just about knowing how to restructure things. And the more things that you're trying to do, the more disciplined you have to be to the routine as well. Like if you're trying to put in a sport and then running and then some yoga and your weights, like you have to know that you can progress but everything's going to progress a lot slower than if you just put it all into one. And that's why I like to balance my year the way I do, where I just have a strength block, I drop the volume, I put the bigger lifts in, et cetera. I focus on that, um, less focus on strict muscle building, even though that could happen as a result. It's still not the main adaptation. And then it shifts, right? And then I'm happy to take out the bigger lifts and focus on um, like different exercises and rearrange things and have a different structured program and do a bit more pump work, et cetera. 
And then vice versa, conditioning. So it's just about having that more zoomed out perspective on your training rather than, you know, going all CrossFit on your own program and trying to do everything on every different day. Yeah. And that's definitely what people do. And I love that people are so enthusiastic and they want to train and, but people are still going too hard. You know, we're talking to the type A people here. We're talking to the high achievers who they, they do their weight session, they go for a run, they, they do yoga all in one day. And it's like, wow. Okay. As you said, keep the main thing, the main thing, because We've got our whole life of training and it's okay to cycle Mm. through. And I'm curious to ask what determines whether you're doing strength work or hypertrophy or conditioning. You did mention obviously summer. Is it all seasonal or Mm. what makes you sort of change? Yeah, it's usually seasonal. Um, it's all, it's always sort of geared around honestly competing. And I just keep that natural cycle now, to be honest. So in yeah. summer, I much prefer to do some conditioning stuff because I like being outdoors. It's warmer. Um, it's, it's sort of like, I don't know. I just find it really hard to do heavy sets when it's like hot. Yeah. Um, so I just prefer to have a bit more of a like hypertrophy conditioning phase, putting a bit more cardio, you know, doing steps at the moment, cutting. So it sort of complements each other anyway. Um, and then in the sort of like as I come into the new year, like then I usually go back through, sorry, the middle of the year, I usually go back through like a big strength block just because I do think relative strength and having some like phases where you are just focusing on relative strength is not only good for you physically in terms of, you know, the muscle fiber types and growth and power, et cetera, but then also psychologically, um, you know, if I can do whatever I can on a deadlift, when I get back into a Romanian, I'm like, of course I can do that. And it just helps you sort of progress mentally as well. And also have just different exercise selection where you're not always focusing on, you know, heavy eccentrics. You can sort of give that phase of the lifter, um, like a rest, so to speak. Um, and then, yeah, like I just feel like with training, I you, like, yes, we want to have variety, but variety for the sake of variety is not helpful. You want to have variety mm. for a reason. So I like to know that I'm developing those muscle fiber types and I'm training these lifts and nothing's getting missed because I don't think we should avoid any exercise from the a fear-based thing. Like, you know, if you don't like deadlifts, that's that's okay, but you should be confident to be able to deadlift because what if you want to pick up the Romanian deadlift bar and re-rack it? You've got to deadlift it up, right? So I just like to have phases where I do every exercise. I train every muscle group. I train every muscle fiber. Um, I train every, um, like, system in my body, whether that's cardiac or nervous system-based, ligaments, tendons, like all those things, they're just getting work done. And the yeah. more advanced that you become, like it has to happen because your your weakest link in the chain will usually be the first thing to break. And I've experienced this with um, tendonitis in the past where I probably yep. didn't do enough isometric stuff or, you know, the, the volume was too high, like I didn't go through true strength blocks. And, you know, I'm not trying to overcomplicate it for people, but it's just about making sure that you're having variety for intentional reasons um, and not trying to do everything at once. Like you don't have to be super strong in every phase. You don't have to be going for pump work in every every phase, but you should be along a spectrum. That's sorry. I know that was a long-winded answer. No, it's great. You just highlighted, you know, the importance of variety, but then also intended variety, as you said, not Mm. trying to do everything all at once, which was awesome. And you also just highlighted that you train every system, every muscle. So perfect, really good. And that's what we should, um, 
you know, it, like think about when we are training because there are so many ways to train. People still want the right or mm. wrong answer, but it's it's what's right or wrong for you in that moment. And it's based on your goals. It's based on your adherence. You know, what makes you excited to go to the gym? I know if I'm busy traveling for work or seminars or going back home, or if I've got a lot on, there's no way that I'm going to be doing my heavy lifts. Like I don't yeah. care what anyone says. I don't feel like loading up a deadlift bar if I'm really tired or I've just given all my energy to someone or you know and it doesn't mean I'm a bad person it means Mm. actually it's smart training cool okay we're not going to do heavy deadlifts today what can we do instead and it's a really nice way to keep consistent with your training because a lot of people think oh well I can't do that thing that was on my program I'm just Mm. not going to train at all and then the next day rolls around oh no I've dropped the ball now then the next day rolls around and that's how people sort of fall off the bandwagon Mm. they just don't have the confidence or the awareness in other training styles when needed. So I think it's really important, you know, if you've got a coach or if you are a coach, um, to explore that and get help and say, Mm. okay, if we're not doing this, what can I practice instead? Uh, People Mm. get really tied just to one way of training because they're good at it or um, they're used to it. But as Mm. you said, if we have weak links in the chain, that's the the one that's going to break. And that often does come out in times of fatigue, stress, um, lack of concentration sometimes, or even if we've just been doing lots of heavy compounds and we've been a bit lazy with our unilateral work, you know, there is going to be a weak link in the chain and it does come out more often than not when we're going for PBs. So Mm -hmm. it's really nice to be able to uh, train all elements like what you do, but the key is knowing when and, you know, it's not a crime to train a certain thing at a certain time. It's really up to you. And that's mm. the exciting part about it, guys. So I just really want people to own that that like planned flexibility a little bit more. There's still a bit of a lack of education around what to do if plan A doesn't work. Like find a plan B and mm. just enjoy that for that time. It's okay. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think as well, you mentioned, um, you know, people not knowing like sort of what they're doing, but then also not knowing how, because something I see as well is like, even with um, a lot of strength programs, I'm like, geez, that's a lot of volume, you know, or like, or, or vice versa with anything. It's like conditioning. I think that's hypertrophy, you know? So it's about sort of understanding and equipping yourself. Well, if I don't know how to train these adaptations, like what does that actually mean? You know, like conditioning is not just cardio, like conditioning what, you know, like what are you trying to condition? Are you trying to condition your muscular system and have muscular endurance? Are you trying to condition your aerobic system, anaerobic? Um, and sort of digging a little bit deeper. Like if you are a coach, it's exciting. There's always something new to learn. Um, and I was like, I was thinking in my brain, like every time when I cycle through, because obviously Train with Sherelle does the programs that I do. Um, and I think it's important to recognize like conditioning is not my favorite. Not Strength work's not even my favorite. I definitely have a favorite style of training. But if I always stick to that, if I always do what I want to do, and if I always do my favorite lifts and my favorite style of training, I'm not going to expose myself to these other things. And it's yeah. really important because our body will adapt to what we do the most. And I think to have longevity in training, um, longevity in your results in terms of like continuing to progress so you don't hit plateaus, we need to have that novelty stimulus in a structured way. Um, So like conditioning programs absolutely destroy me. And I 
swear I grow in them just because I don't do that style of training of like 20 to 30 reps for, or, you know, up to 50 reps in some stuff. Wow. Um, I just don't do it like, like much because you have yep. to really drop the weight. It's humbling. <laughs> it burns like shit. Um, and, you know, you're puffed. But that's good. That's your body making new adaptations. And when you create those new adaptations, you take them into your next phase, right? And then you all of a sudden realize that you can push a lot harder on a leg press because you're not gassed out because you're you're fitter and your muscles used to that. So it's always about this progression. Um, And that's not really hybrid training though, right? Like hybrid training is is actually when you sort of stack them together. And that's why the, the actual program that you're following and the way in which you do it and the structure of it has to be a little bit more precise if you want to be continuing to progress um, with hybrid training. Yeah, I suppose the the TWS crew keeps you a little bit honest. There's no hiding, which, you know, you have to go back to do. I've been so consistent. Like, honestly, it's like everyone yeah. else is doing I've got to do it too. Yeah, there's no hiding. And that that's awesome. Um, and to feel that feeling of like seeing something on your program and going, fuck, this is going to be hard. But, you know, after you do it, you're like, oh, that's so good. Um, but I've had a bit of a humbling experience just with a little bit of face-to-face training, not just mainly Paul's mum because she mm. did a ACL and MCL in a fall or three ligaments actually all gone in her knee. Mm. And then shoulder, being a hairdresser, she had a lot of cartilage wearing away. And I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go back and take it face-to-face until she feels better. Um, and you just forget almost when you don't see people who don't train often, you just forget how movements that are um, second nature to us, people can't do it. Even mm. as simple as just general body awareness or slowing down or bringing your shoulders back instead of up towards your ears, just things like that. So it's really just um, given me that beautiful perspective again on where a lot of gym floor trainers are with new clients because I think a lot of what we talk about is very, you know, we've been in the game for 10 years type language, but then to go back to that and have to balance the art of what does this person need right now, which is repetition of neglected movement patterns, but then how do we make it entertaining at the same time? Because you have to have that adherence as well. Because yeah. in a perfect world, I would have a specific program written out, but then not everyone's robotic like us or adherent like us. You know, people want to be entertained a bit. So it, it is a beautiful tool to use sort of mini hybrid style training. I, I'm just going to put the word mini in there because it's within a session to say, okay, So what I take her through is, you know, the movement pattern work, again, neglected, rep after rep after rep after rep. We need to practice that. But then at the end, I might throw in a bit of stability work and balance work where she's like, oh, my God, like this is hard. Or I remember when I used to train people, I'd add in just battle ropes at the end, bit of conditioning just to to break the mold of this is a robotic training session, which people like you and I can adhere to. But again, a lot of gym floor trainers out there, even online as well, deal with that with with gen pop people. You need to still make it interesting. And Mm. I don't care what the best science says or the best this says, the best that. At the end of the day, if your training program is putting off your client to the point where they're bored or they don't want to come in, this is for sort of gen pop, then 
it's not worth all that, you know. You mm. need to still throw in a little piece of entertainment or something that would allow them to adhere to it, mix up a grip so they feel different or mix up an angle of a movement just so it feels different. Um, mm. A lot of the time I think, yeah, we talk to people like us who just would adhere to anything, which is amazing to get a goal, but then it's been quite humbling sort of going back to that real basic movement pattern work again but then that entertainment piece too so I just wanted to talk about that for for the people you know who do have gen pop and it can be tough to get them to do the work sometimes you know but Mm. it does come with education around why you're doing this obviously their results will speak for themselves but then being a bit light-hearted about and say hey we'll throw in just a bit of fluff just to feel like they're doing something different as well it just yeah hats off to everyone it's a real art form being a coach Oh, absolutely. Everyone, yeah. I think um, in this day and age, and even sometimes I can get lost in it too, like what's optimal. Um, And, you know, what's optimal for one person isn't going to be the other. And we all know that, you know, consistency and enjoyment is the single most important thing for training. And, you know, I've changed my mind on a lot of stuff over the last few years, sort of as I've worked with more people, like you said, and sort of realized it's not just about this. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of coaches, unfortunately, coach everyone the way that they would be coached. And a lot of coaches love fitness and they are you know, maybe have a competing background or, you know, they are that type A person and that's not the the majority of people. So, you know, one of my biggest frustrations is seeing coaches only treat their clients like bodybuilding prep. It's sort of yeah. like, why do they have to hit their macros all the time? Do you know what I mean? Like, are they getting on stage? Like, mm. no. So I think that's something I've definitely changed my mind on. Um, and now even with nutrition, like we do intuitive eating, we do lots of styles because I'm mm. like, well, like tracking macros isn't for everyone and it's it's not the only way. It's one tool in your toolkit as a coach. And what are you going to do when it's not for the other person? Yeah. Um, and the same thing with like group fitness and CrossFit and stuff like that. Like in the past, I was like, oh, no, we need to be able to write your entire program and sort of do it. But, you know, we have some women that come to us that, do do group fitness and they want to keep a class in also for enjoyment or they want to play sports on the weekend. And I'm like, of course, like yeah. it is is incompetent as a coach to not be able to accommodate for that. Um, so it's just about challenging your own biases uh, along the way and recognizing that, you know, hybrid training, even though we've put it in as, you know, combining different adaptations, et cetera, it can be group fitness. It can be playing sport. It's all these other things as well. Um, and again, it depends on the goal. Like if someone's goal is just to be fitter, healthier, stronger, build a little bit more muscle, um, then arguably hybrid training and having some variety in there is only going to help them enjoy the process more, be more consistent and stay with you as a coach for longer and therefore get a better result. Mm. So it is like, yes, from an athlete's perspective, hybrid programming is one thing. And then from like what you said, like a gen pop or just someone that wants to exercise or, you know, even I remember how I used to program, I'd always put the sled at the end, like a little bit of cardio, a little bit of power, just something that's like (laughs) a little bit makes them feel like a little bit tired. And people enjoy that when they do a bit of core and they're like, really hard. (laughs) Ends the session. Um, Sometimes we do that from a programming when people feel like the program's too easy. I'm like, I'll just add some core on the end. They won't be saying that. Yeah, I know. No, it's just about mixing it up and, you know, making sure that other people are enjoying it because, of course, you can um, progress when you're doing different styles. It's just about how much. Like we're not putting in, you know, 100 box jumps at the end of a leg session. We're not doing something <laughs> ridiculous like that. I hope not, Daddy. Uh, but it's about <laughs> making sure there's progression there rather than just pure exhaustion. Like you said, yeah. balance and stability. 
right? And if you look at the way that athletes train as well and, and you know, people that train in really intelligent ways, they're not gassing themselves out at every session. So it's about making sure that, yes, you can train different training styles, but just make sure it's not always ending and feeling exhausted because that's not helpful either. Yeah, enjoy building new skills and practicing. Like I bet, myself included, most of us would struggle standing on one leg with your eyes closed without falling. That is a skill that we've all lost because Mm -hmm. we hardly walk correctly. You know, when we're like, my focus has really been on people's gait recently and calf strength. So most people, when we do calf raises, we roll out onto the fifth toe. Now I want you to practice on the ground with no shoes. We don't even need a step doing actual calf raises, pressing through your big toe. And I, th- I can't remember, I think I might have mentioned this in the last one, but I'll mention it again because I'm so damn passionate about this all of a sudden. So practice your calf raises every day because, you know, people with back pain, knee pain, more often than not, it actually does start, f- start from weak calves. So push through your big toe and practice standing on one leg. It could be when you're brushing your teeth, you know, anytime or at the end of your session because... Everyone thinks they've got poor ankle mobility, but more often than not, it's actually poor ankle stability. So mm-hmm. instead of doing, you know, ankle mobility drills are great, but pair it with some stability work and you'll find that your rate of, range of motion can increase. Then when we get older, practicing standing on one leg is a great false prevention um, mm-hmm. tool because when we get older, that is the number one cause of, you know, death in elderly or one of them as well being falls and fractures of the hip so it's really important to practice those skills and yeah that's just a a really big tangent but everyone practice your calf raises as well if you think stability works not for you you can stop when you find that one easy okay so that's a little (laughs) challenge for everyone because i've been practicing it it's bloody hard yeah absolutely but (laughs) here we are now talking all you guys into hybrid training Just yeah, include, includes a variety. I don't know. Like I said, I think the definition is quite, is quite skewed. I think um, there's definitely True. like different styles of training and exercise that people put together. And, and one that we were talking about before the episode was like running, for example, like trying to pair mm. running um, with muscle building. And I definitely think that you can do it. But like I said, it's just about being mindful. It's like, okay, well, you've got to make sure that you're eating enough, right? And you've got to make sure that your calorie intake usually increases if you're doing a lot of running. You probably should separate the sessions right like as well yeah. and not sort of go for a run and then try and do leg dates there there may be some interference there or just some energy um that, or like intensity will lack in your weight sessions so doing that properly and then making sure recovery is there and like you said like lower limb training probably needs to come in a lot more with running and there's just other considerations um and i definitely think you know, if you're just doing a little bit of stuff every now and then, you're not quite frequent, like it's it's sort of a different set of rules. But if you're really ramping up the volume, and I do see this a lot, especially with like, you know, someone might be doing three group fitness classes, they might be playing a sport or going for a run on the weekend and then trying to hit four sessions a week. And when I see mm-hmm. all of that, I'm like, geez, like it's a lot, right? It's a lot. And I think I'm always on the fence of minimum effective dose always. And it's probably why I program the way I do because I'm like, cool, I don't need to gas my myself like with all these styles of training I'm not trying to achieve anything all at once right I've got a whole year to be able to build myself up and you know compound onto each other so I would just encourage everyone that if you're if you're thinking of hybrid training like if it's not power building um, what is it and can you achieve it over a longer period of time rather than trying to put it all into your current training program at once yeah as you sort of mentioned like 
you said it in a bit of a different way, but we should all have a little bit of baseline of everything, you know, stability, balance, strength, a little bit of hype. Like have your baseline, but then you said once you ramp it up, that's when we go, hang on a minute, okay, let's, you know, um, make some changes. And and we get it all the time. There's just a lack of recovery, you know. I And I'm sure you do too. We work with runners who then we compliment, like their main thing is running marathons, but then the accessory work is important in the gym. But then you also get gym goers who all of a sudden want to start running. And it just, you really need to understand all of those things. Where do I slot in the training or the sport or, or all of that? But people are sort of not having enough rest. So yes, you can do it all if you want, but you're not going to be a superstar at one of them. I'm, I'm just yeah. going to call it there. Like you're not going to be a world champ powerlifter. You're not going to be the world's greatest bodybuilder if you're doing it all, but you might not want to be. And then that's mm-hmm. totally fine. Yeah. I remember it was probably, I don't know, a while ago now, but I had a client, potential client come to me and sort of wanted to get on stage and was training for a marathon at the same time and oh, was studying, studying full time. And I had to have a hard conversation and sort of like lay all those things out to her and, you know, sort of say, probably not. Like you need to be able to sort of pick one and wasn't willing to do that. It was like, no, I'm going to get on stage and I'm oh, going to wow. run a marathon in October or whatever it was. And I just had to say, sorry, I can't help you. Cause that was honest. I was like, I can't, yeah. I can't help you. Like, I, like, I don't know if anyone can, um, but it takes a high, like it's true opposite adaptations. And I think the more similar, the adaptations, like fair enough, flexibility and balance. Of course, you're going to be able to do those at the same time. Like you would in any, you know, Pilates or yoga, like you train those things potentially at the same time. When you're lifting weights, like, you know, generally strength and and muscle building, like at the same time. So the more similar the adaptation, like the easier it is to program around it, because you probably don't have to. But when they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, that's when like, it's really important to be really clear. And if you're not like, you know, like a basketballer, like high level something that needs that, that needs diversity in the skill sets, um, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. You should probably be like, mm-hmm. yeah, I might run a marathon this year and I'll get on stage in 2024. Like you can yeah. do that. That's fine because you've got space between the goals. Um, but if you don't have that, like trust trust coaches. <laughs> mm, that's interesting. And you, you have to think, is this like, where's that person coming from? Did they have a big life overhaul and all of a sudden they were riding the motivation train or were they trying to prove prove people wrong or something? Yeah. It's not always about the training goal. You sort of have to get to know, all right, where is this person coming from and why, why did they reach out for help? But then why don't they want to follow your advice? And you get it all the time. Like I had someone who was just finished having surgery and was so injured, but then wanted to do only CrossFit fit style mm. training and didn't want to do any of the things that I prescribed for that. And then I had to say, sorry, actually, see ya. Like we have to just part ways. Like that goes against all of my values and principles. So yeah, you still, you still do get that a little bit, but as coaches, you got to stick with, you know, your values and say, this isn't ethical for me. Mm. Like I don't want to harm you in the process of getting a result that you think would make your life better, but then then you've got so much damage to, you know, work on after and you still get people who take people on for that. But like a true coach knows how to say, hey, this is the way that works for me and my clients. Um, I don't think it's a good idea right now. Then if they don't budge, you know, you tried your best and you stayed true to yourself. So that's, yeah, really important that you brought that up. Mm, Yeah. And I think as well, like, 
if someone's saying like, yeah, for sure, we can do it all. Like you need to be raising questions. And <laughs> I've definitely listened to coaches and like, when I hire a coach, I hire a coach. Like if they say, don't do this, I won't do it. If they say, do this, I will do it. Yeah. Sometimes that's gone against me when I look back in hindsight <laughs> and be like, probably should have just like listened to my gut or whatever. But, you know, I still think that if you're paying for a coach and you generally trust that person, like you need to be following, like you need to let go of your own biases and you need to be doing exactly what they tell you within reason, of course. Things happen, whatever, mm. but don't um, don't go against their advice. Don't sort of like throw in extra training sessions, like without telling them, like have a conversation. Yeah. A good coach will be really honest and say, you can do this, but this is probably what's going to happen. That's all they're doing. They're just forecasting um, the future for you. They're saying you can do this, but like what you said, you probably won't do either well. And that's okay if that's what you want. But like, if you just want to sort of coast through, that's probably what doing this or eating that or following this program is going to do. Um, specific, right? Like what we spoke about, we have to be specific to be able to get the demands that we actually want. Um, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, well, I think that covers it. So what's the summer looking like for you in terms of training then? I know we've touched on a little bit, but mm. what's the next sort of part for you? Yeah, well, I'm actually going to be going back into like a bodybuilding style um, program. I did strength nice. through the middle of the year and then I'm just finishing up like a power building phase um, and then I'm about to deload and then I'll go back into like a bodybuilding sort of split and then conditioning. So that's what I usually do, that sort of like long-winded phase. Um, sometimes I put conditioning in with my bodybuilding, but like the focus is still conditioning more so. I'll just like deload my weights and sort of just move my body and add some cardio in, like some more moderate and high-intensity stuff nice. um, over summer. But, yeah, that's about me. What about you? Yeah, um, definitely. I think it's always sort of been bodybuilding focused. Um, I'm, I've added my barbell work in again. So started squatting and deadlifting. I've been benching sort of the whole time, but just the, the last few months with work was too hectic and always on aeroplanes. I didn't feel like using the bar to that extent. So I'll bring that in a little bit. Nothing super crazy. I'm not going to aim for PBs, but just overall getting that skill back. Um, bodybuilding style. My walks, I woke up this morning with a really sore foot, to be honest, and it's a bit swollen. So oh, what from? I was walking around the city in these thin, like Calvin Klein white mm. sneakers. I don't know, everyone in Sydney, he wears white sneakers with heels aren't really a thing anymore. So you, yeah, I bought my first pair of these white sneakers that I see everyone in Sydney wearing and I'm like, sweet. But then bloody not walking shoes at all so yeah. yeah that's put a bit of a pause on the old walk I think I've got a bit of a stress fracture or something but oh god that's freaking hurts sweet. man I'm limping and of course oh. when you're limping then you run into everyone on the street I'm like oh yep. my god um yep. so that's me so I'll probably uh put the cross trainer in a little bit more instead of the nighttime walks. But again, we all have to adapt and we learn learn a lesson, right? So yeah. Calvin Klein's are cute, but not for walking pretty much. No, That's yeah, you learn. Le you learn the hard way. Like the older I get, the more I just live for comfort, whether it's clothes and especially footwear, um, hair, makeup. Like I just live for comfort. I had this Kmart bra for like six years, I swear. <laughs> it looks great. Can't go wrong. Um, but, yeah, I think when it comes to as well, like training it's so important to have a plan it's so important to know what you're working towards and then like mm. you said be flexible because things happen um and I always sort of like pull back a little bit and I find it easier to pull back in um hypertrophy conditioning style training blocks than strength yeah. because you're sort of tracking your numbers and if you don't you know progressively overload one week you feel like you're trying to do a big jump and play catch up doesn't go to plan you fail you go back like four weeks it just doesn't like I don't like that with strength whereas mm. with 
bodybuilding and conditioning and like building muscles like so basic in terms of like what you need to do you can swap out things and be a bit more um, flexible with your actual training program than what you can do when you're being specific with exercises and stuff mm. um so yeah I think it's important to be able to have like intention with what you're trying to do like what we've just spoken about but then also flexibility and understanding and knowing well if I can't be super strict with my program at the moment maybe I shouldn't be doing this style of training like what I spoke about like strict strength work over Christmas. No, like, you know, we've got food there, we've got lives to live, we've got holidays to go on. So it's just about making sure that you've got flexibility um, amongst some structure to make sure that you're not, you know, setting yourself up for failure. Amazing. I feel like we'll always be bodybuilders at heart. So we're always going to have a little bias, but that's what brought us here, didn't it? It's our Absolute. passion. Recreational <laughs> bodybuilders. That's it. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thanks um, for tuning in, guys. We hope that this somewhat answered your question, but as you guys know, it's never just a yes or no with us, never black and white. It's always like, yes, but it depends and also probably not. Like, that's how we answer things as well. Um, so, yeah, we just want to have a bit of an informal, casual conversation about hybrid training and just give you our opinion our experience um, of what we've been through in the past and how I guess we do have a hybrid approach, but then also the explanation as to why we do that and how you might be able to include it in your own training as well. Amazing. Thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. Thanks everyone for <laughs> tuning in. And as always, make sure you take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram. Thank you.